Welcome to Love Games. We're here to shine new light on the games you love and the love in your games. I'm Lucy Morris. And I'm Lauren Clinic. And we have something very special to announce. Drumroll! We are celebrating over 2,000 listens. Holy, Holy shit. shit. <laughs> <laughs> we are amazed and blown away. We've had an amazing response to this. We're having so much fun doing it and I'm just tickled that there are so many of you out there loving it too yeah uh, it's kind of hard to believe that we're only on episode seven now Mm. and we've had two thousand listens already so thank you so much for supporting us and we will continue to give you this uh, a plus love games content hell yeah and we're going to celebrate with the giveaway of a book lucy which is the first little treasure that we're going to give to our lovely little community so I'm really excited about that and I'd love for you to talk about this book because you have quite a connection to it don't you? I do so somehow I happened into a second copy of this book which is good for you because I'm giving it away on our podcast Um, so the book is Digital Love which is about uh, like a lot of different topics in regards to love with loving games and romance and games. It's a collection of essays that's curated by Heidi McDonald, who is very, very outspoken about um, topics to do with romance and games in the industry, and she's super wonderful. And uh, I wrote a chapter in it, so there's a disclaimer that like there's there's some of my ranting in it. I wrote a chapter about uh, using a really obscure part of Japanese history that has somehow proliferated into dating some games now, the Shinsengumi. The police force was only active for a very short amount of time, but the fact they've become disproportionately popular in romance is just like, it's really interesting. So this digital love book, I've read through it on my recent plane travels. It's got a real collection of academic considered research chapters on a huge variety of topics, but it is still really accessible. Like I don't come from an academic background, but I found it really easy to pick up and have a look through. There's really something there for everyone. It's a whole lot of fun. And yeah, it's, it's also a big tome. There, there is a lot of content in there. Yeah, so if you want to win this book, then all you have to do to enter the giveaway is to choose your favourite Love Games episode and share it on Twitter with our hashtag, LoveGamesCast. So the winner will be announced in the next episode, and we will also be announcing this giveaway on Twitter, though they will have to come listen to this podcast to find out how to win it, so there you go. But yeah, just choose which episode you like the most and share it, and then you could be the proud owner of this tome of Love Games knowledge. So as well as Lucy's chapter that she's described, which was an excellent read, some of my favourites for the lucky winner or anyone that wants to pick up the book would be It's Time for This Jedi to Get Laid, Casual Romance in Star Wars The Old Republic, and the chapter called The Smouldering Justicar to Blue-Skinned Space Babe, Asari Sexuality in Mass Effect. That's just a taste of that kind of content. So yeah, please tell us about your favourite episode, give it a signal boost, and enter the giveaway. Yeah, I'll try to put some air horn sound effects in here to make it sound more exciting. (laughs) (laughs) So as well as celebrating over 2,000 listens with the giveaway, we've also got a really special shout out to Ivan. So Ivan emailed us a while ago, letting us know that they had been transcribing our early episodes for their friends that prefer um, reading or consuming their content with subtitles for accessibility and personal preferences. We really appreciate uh, someone from the community like Ivan putting the time in to do transcription because Lucy and I talk a lot of garbage real 
fast and with accents and very excitedly. So we really appreciate um, Ivan putting the time in to transcribe it. We are going to get those transcriptions together. We'll have it up at least on a Google Drive, but definitely on our future website as well. So if you ever want to quote it or use it in anything that you're writing or if um, transcribed podcasts are good for you for accessibility reasons, um, it'll be there. So Mm. huge shout out to Ivan. Big, big thank you. We think that's really cool. Um, Please go say thanks to Ivan on Twitter at at Fuckronomicon. Such a good username. I think everyone that talks to us just has the best Twitter username ever. So that's that's Ivan, Twitter, Fuckronomicon. That is at fuck, R-O-N-O-M-I-C-O-N. Fuckronomicon. That's so good. And these transcriptions are really high quality as well. I was reading through the one that they sent through um, to our email. And the first thing that I thought was that if I was a character in a book and this was the dialogue that I was speaking, I'd immediately hate my character. Because... (laughs) I say, I say, um, so much. And like the first episode we did, we were both podcast newbies and I'm just, I'm umming every single, single sentence. And you read this transcript and it's like, um. <laughs> I, I feel really bad for that, that you had to transcribe that. Ivan, thank you so much for, for bearing with us. <laughs> a plus. But yeah, that's, that's just a taste of the lovely community of listeners that we have. So yeah, thank you so much to Ivan. And so we, we're absolutely going to be doing more giveaways in future more shout outs again if you ever have a game coming up that you'd like us to have a chat about if you've got keys you'd like us to give away just email us so we're lovegamescast at gmail.com super simple if it if it suits twitter go for twitter otherwise shoot us an email and we'll have a chat So just a reminder on the format for our shows, each week we'll talk about a game and we'll examine how that game has handled love, romance or sexuality. We'll have some interviews with special guests from the industry on occasional episodes and sometimes we field questions from listeners at the end of the show around a specific topic or just general questions. So Lucy, would you like to share the game or games that we're going to look at for this week? Yes, it's going to be a bumpy episode today. So we are reviewing technically two games, and they are Emily is Away and Emily is Away 2. So these games are both made by Carl Seeley, who is an independent game developer from Boston, who's been making games for around five years. Emily is Away was really acclaimed as well, especially with regards to its narrative design and the kind of topics that it was tackling. So we're really excited to talk about it on the podcast today. Um, Emily is away one. The Steam store description is, Remember a time before Facebook and Skype? When Windows XP was the next big thing and AIM was king. Relive that era with Emily is away. Create a screen name and browse buddy infos in this chat box meets adventure game. Explore your relationship with Emily, a fellow high school student, and a branching narrative where you choose the outcome. And most importantly, change your text colour to lime green so people know you're the coolest kid in school. And this game is really aiming at uh, invoking nostalgia from the early to mid-2000s. So it's set completely within AOL Instant Messenger, and it's kind of just capitalising on that entire uh, microcosm of social constructs that were alive in that during that time. 
Yes. So everything from visuals to the soundscape, the user interface, um, the clicky clacky sounds of keyboards from that era, both Emily is away and Emily is away to uh, do a, a lot of work and a lot of effort to really recreate an immersive narrative nostalgic experience. So for Emily is away to the sequel, it's worth noting that the two is not the literal numerical two. It's um, T-O-O. Um, <laughs> so Emily is Away 2 is the spiritual successor or kind of sequel to the critically acclaimed original. Message both Emily and Evelyn as you determine the outcome of your senior year. Extend the story past the chat window with YouTube links, Facebook profiles and file transfers. And most importantly, change your text color to lime green so everyone knows you're the coolest kid in school. It's a good little good little call back there. I, I quite yeah. appreciate that. <laughs> and I think it's important to note, because this confused me for a little bit, that Emily is a way to, is the spiritual successor. It's not a sequel. Mm. So it's, I had to look up <laughs> exactly what spiritual successor <laughs> means. I'm like, this feels like it's taking place in a different, a different time period. But Emily is a way to, is kind of, it's the same concept, but it's reimagining it, I guess. It's not a sequel. It doesn't follow on from Emily is a way one and... I think that's really interesting that um, mm. Kyle went back and reimagined the game in a mm. slightly different way. Yes, and I think it's recreating a different operating system, I believe, if I'm not wrong. I think Emily is Away 2 is very firmly recreating Windows XP. Um, mm. I'm not sure if both games recreate Windows XP, but I had a strong thought of, of that for Emily is Away 2. I feel because it has the early days of YouTube and the early days of Facebook profiles, it's maybe aiming for a slightly later later year or you know later mm. vintage than Emily is away one but yes it is worth um the character of Emily is kind of an idea it's kind of an amalgam of of a lot of a lot of people that you know you and I and listeners would have had in their lives the Emily figure mm. um it's not necessarily the events of Emily is away one happened and then Emily is away two follows on right after that because it does actually take you back to high school again so mm. So yeah. why are we talking about Emily is Away today, Lauren? Yes, so this game surprised me. I didn't know getting into the game when everyone had been talking about it that it was very much about relationships and it was very much about, in my mind, uh, Emily is Away 1 and Emily is Away 2 is about trying to get what you want in a relationship and trying to say what you think the other person's going to want to hear trying mm. to sort of play the social juggling game of giving attention but saying the right thing to try and progress a relationship to where you want it to be. Mm. Because I feel like back in the early to mid-2000s was when people were actually carrying a lot of their relationships or the relationship building and social management via the, in via the internet or digitally uh, yeah. and not through direct phone calls. And it was kind of a new thing. Like our parents didn't understand that we were managing our crushes through <laughs> through computers and things like that. But that's that's kind of the first generation where that was happening. So both games ended up being a lot about the way the player character felt about um, Emily or about characters in there. And you can you can express that in romantic ways as well, or just uh, just with different kinds of relationships. Yeah, and I imagine we'll get further into this as the episode goes on, but I felt that Emily is Away 1 was a lot more abstract with the way it approached mm. relationships. Emily, away, Emily is Away 2. Surprisingly hard to say, actually. 
is <laughs> more explicitly about um, entering into relationships and those dynamics mm. when, mm. yeah, I think Emily is the way one was a lot more abstract and a lot more about like the kind of courting phase and mm. the crush phase. And Emily is the way two is a lot more about the, well, we're dating and like things are kind of weird and, mm. you know, we're about to grow up and move on. So yeah. I think that even though um, as a spiritual successor, they're both like wildly different games and it's really important that you give them both a go in mm. our opinion. Yeah, definitely. So they're both available online, and are they free as well? So Emily is the way one is free. Mm. Uh, you can play it for free on Steamwatch.io. I think Emily is the way two costs in the moment, mm. um, but mm-hmm. it's definitely worth the the money for the experience that it gives you, especially if you were online in you know the two thousands. You will find something to take away from that nostalgically. I think. Oh yes. Absolutely, yeah, and they they don't take too long to sit down and play. Um, they've been awarded for a reason. The way that they look and the way that it they feel to play for me really is very distinctive. We have found a lot of games coming up that have sort of chat interface style um, looks and feels, but for me, um, Emily is away, and the and the next game really did feel like they were doing something very specific and very strong at the time. So definitely, definitely recommend. I mean, we've already kind of waxed lyrical about the praises already, but Mm. what did it do well? Why do we think that, um, especially Emily as a way one, was critically Mm. acclaimed? And why are we going to spend 40 minutes talking about it? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So we've hinted to it a little bit before, but for me, a huge part of both games come from uh, the first game for me was a big call out experience on player entitlement. Mm. So when you play Emily is away, you are having chat conversations and making selections uh, in a bunch of different conversations. But Emily is the the person who is positioned as being most important in the game, whether it's because you are really close best friends, whether it's you are friends, but you, the player, has a crush on Emily and you're trying to make something happen. Um, there are different ways that it can play out, but the game has, I think, three different time stages where your relationship with other people and with Emily has progressed. Um, throughout the game, you can you can make choices that makes your feelings about Emily, if you do have a crush on her, known and public. But the way that it plays out, again, huge spoilers, just pause it and go and play the game um, <laughs> if you're interested in it, because we're totally going to spoil it beginning to end. But based on your choices, you and Emily can sleep together when you're both in college and spoiler alert, it doesn't go that well. Um, you don't end the game in a happy relationship with Emily. For one reason or another, you've grown apart or she's become annoyed at you. Maybe she even accuses you of kind of manipulating her into into having sex with her. And um, yeah, it ends it ends badly. You don't get a happy ending with Emily. For, for me, this game was hitting all of the buttons of being a lonely teenager, you know, lonely queer teenager, mm. trying to talk to girls on the internet, trying to be the friend, but also try and figure out whether I maybe had a chance of dating them or whatever. But my low self-esteem made me, I'm saying made, like it's not my fault, but 
having poor self-esteem leading to me being kind of manipulative and not really open and fair in the way I was giving my attention and giving my affection, if that makes sense. So yeah, for me, this game felt like a huge call out because it's like you thought you were saying everything perfect and but really you were just kind of pushing what you wanted onto Emily and it's not just for you to decide alone. So me as a person, but also me as a player, you don't get everything you want. But yeah, how about your game as well, Lucy? Did you end up did you end up hitting on Emily? Did she did she feel like a crush to you or something else? I was just gonna say, like, it's interesting to see the player response to Emily as a way one because of what you were talking about. Because mm. a lot of people say it's like friend zone the game. Because <laughs> you don't end up with Emily, which mm. you would assume heading into it and, and playing the first uh, chapter of the game. Um, I don't, I didn't sleep with Emily. Um, I played it quite a while ago, so I have to stretch my memory to, to recall. But I did not sleep with her, and I do remember it being a very bittersweet kind of ending. Mm. Um, we just ended up growing apart. And mm. um, what was really interesting for me is that, like you were saying about, you know, using the early 2000s or the entire decade, like managing our relationships on social media and on things like AOL and MSN, mm. it capitalized on a lot of those little traits that you picked mm. up. Like I've seen a lot of, um, with the resurgence of these OS style games, which I'll talk about a little bit later, a lot of people have started talking about how they interacted with social media and romance back in those days. Mm. Like, oh my God, it's almost 20 years ago now. Ah. Um, <laughs> it's really scary. <laughs> Um, but things like signing into MSN and then signing out and then signing back in. So like your crush would see your mm. um, little avatar pop up <laughs> and changing your, it's the same thing in um, Emily's Away, changing your username to obscure like music lyrics that somehow relate to your crush or changing your AOL profile to, to that as well. Because in Emily's Away too, you can um, change your your lyrics and your profile to be cryptic and, you know, it's got song lyrics and some sort of movie quote and everything. But there were lots of these little traits that, like, pretty much everyone would have used, you know, if they were handling this sort of topic. Even when you're writing a message to someone today, you might write it and then be like, hmm, I don't, I don't think that that's the right thing to say in this situation. And that happens in Emily is Away as well. You'll write something, like, what the character really wants mm. to say, mm. and then you'll press backspace and then you'll write something else. And... I watched a couple of Let's Plays of this game as well, um, just to refresh my memory. And they were like, mm. no, no, that's what I wanted to say. No, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> and I think that's a really interesting agency to take away from the player, like carroting exactly what the player wants to say and then be like, no, actually, this is the more appropriate response. Yeah, maybe you'd like to say that really suave and seductive thing, but no, you're going to chicken out and yeah. say this instead. Exactly. And for me... It was really meaningful that this game is doing something that I felt like I had done so many times before, or I had done elements of that before. Whereas lots of games of power fantasies where I'm a super sexy elf with horns, you know, <laughs> killing people and whatever else. Whereas this was like, you know, can you maintain some social relationships with a kind of social chat interface, which you use all of the time. So it was mundane in this really charming yet meaningful way. Yeah. It did, it did it really well, and it's very relatable as well, uh, especially if, like I said, you grew up in the 2000s. You'll be familiar with all of the affordances, mm. um, depending on your geographical location. 
might have uh, varied your mileage a little bit, but it's still transferable. And there were, even though, um, because I came from New Zealand, we used MSN more than AOL. Mm. So I didn't have as much experience with that instant messenger. But again, like a lot of those affordances, like the cryptic lyrics and the signing in, (laughs) like the the weird music usernames, totally relate to that. So (laughs) Definitely the same. And Australia was way more about MSN um, as well than AOL, but... I had a whole bunch of like hardcore Neopets fans and people that I was doing text roleplay stuff with that were based in America. So I had AOL for them. So I Mm. knew AOL and I had all these things, even though that wasn't what Australian kids had and things like that. Um, yeah. yeah, I had I t- AOL as well, but it definitely wasn't for <laughs> school friends. Um, MSN was our, our school platform, yes. as it were. Yeah, that's exactly it. And looking at the evolution of how these things happen, like we now don't use like a group chat room type system, but Discord is kind of like that. So mm. yeah, it's just, it's very interesting to go back to this moment in time um, by playing these kinds of games. Uh, so I really commend Kyle for for doing all this work and recreating this, you know, in a minimal way. It's not painstakingly redone, but it's just taken all of the elements and the motifs that are really, really important. So yeah, I found Emily as a way invoked really intense nostalgia for me. Mm. Like even mm. though I didn't use AOL a lot, I don't know why, but those memories of using those platforms as a teenager are really formative to me, and the kind of content that the games cover and the way that it does it in the interface just felt really intense to me and very, very relatable. It's so well written. If you went to high school in, <laughs> in the 2000s, like, it will be relatable to you. And yeah, I just I found it really engaging and, and a little bit confronting as well. Like Lauren said, like you're not living a power fantasy. You're a kind of socially awkward person that can't say exactly what they want to. And it's very difficult during your teenage years to manage all of these like very fluid and very difficult relationships. And I found that the game demonstrated that really well. Yes. The game also highlighted for me that back in the past, computers and the internet made a background noise. Like there was oh, yeah. <laughs> a, a flickering, clickering that I was used to. And then another colleague of mine was pointing out the other day, like, if your computer is making those noises now, you'd be very worried that something has gone very wrong. Like, <laughs> Everything's um, silent now. <laughs> Everything's supposed to be quite silent now. So yeah, the the flickering, clicking, background, whooshy kind of noise for me, and the sign-in noises just had this Pavlovian response, which was just, which was just incredible because I thought it was way in the past and I didn't care about it anymore. But yeah, it definitely all came flooding back for both of these games. Yeah, definitely. Really. Another amazing. thing that Emily is away did really well is past customizing your username and your icon, which mm. you can choose from a different selection each year that you play, I think, mm. um, and your text colors. There isn't really anything else that it is defining you as a protagonist past the choices that you're making, so it has a ambiguous gender, and re- I think it's really cool. Like, you don't have to define uh, what your gender is to mm. engage with Emily and her relationship. Yes. You're always talking in the first person with the other person as well, so... Emily or Evelyn or whoever else you're messaging with doesn't have to invoke any pronouns for you. So you do have this gender ambiguous protagonist. For me, it really felt like me. I gave the player character my nickname, which I very rarely do in games, and then just made me all the more sad (laughs) when everything would inevitably fall apart later. Mm -hmm. But again, it it lent itself a lot to, for me, that, that 
queer teen experience of like, oh my god, the cool girl who I really like, but I literally have no idea how to tell her how I feel and I'm scared of the truth coming out and blah blah blah, so I'll just, you know, I'll just be overly clingy and overly ready to talk to her about whatever she wants and mm-hmm. I'll, you know, if she mentions a band, I'm going to Google the lyrics and change my change my, like, background lyrics to that, even though I fucking hate Avenge Sevenfold or whatever <laughs> she said she was into and stuff like that. It was just so real. I was like, god damn it. I think that um, Emily's Away too also goes to really great lengths to invoke this nostalgia. So Mm -hmm. it includes um, like old versions of certain websites and Mm. they're done in like a really abstract pixelated form. But if you were online during that decade, you will recognize it. So it has an early version of Steam. It's got an early version of YouTube, which plays songs, which is really cool. And just all of the really small details have been tailored so well to recreating this Mm. point in time and Mm. adding to this atmosphere in the story there's also um a little fourth wall breaking that happens in emily's away (laughs) too where you have to download a chat log and it actually saves it to your computer's desktop Mm. and you have to open it and i found that was a really nice touch that it's kind of invading your um actual reality and your your computer and pulling you further into the narrative as well i thought that was really cool very different to Doki Doki Literature Club. <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> yeah, 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 that's true. <laughs> Two completely different ends of the spectrum, like <laughs> so tonally different. Uh... I do feel that Emily is a way to also ramped up the quote unquote gameplay um, kinds of mini mini game almost that was happening. Mm. So. Um, it's not something that I necessarily really loved. I'd say it might also be a limitation, but there were time limits between um, speaking to Emily and speaking to Evelyn where each of them wanted were both really upset and wanted me to talk to them. And if I spent too long not responding, they would say, fuck you, you're not paying enough attention to me and then signing off. Um, it was kind of set up, set up that you would inevitably drop one plate at one point. I did not manage to keep both of them. Um, both of them chatting to me and it felt really bad and it's like yeah I have been in that situation where someone was like you know being demanding of my time I couldn't keep up on the treadmill and I got punished by them signing off um but I found that really stressful I found that yeah I found it really really stressful because I liked both of the characters and Mm. I wanted to be there for them yes but it was just impossible like you would your timer was like 10 seconds and it would go down and it's just like, are you there? Are you there? And I was like, yeah. oh my God, just give me a second. Like yeah. I'm typing. <laughs> <laughs> and it did add to the interface and it showed a rundown timer bar. So I probably mm. didn't like that part of it. I totally didn't mind that one of them told me to go fuck myself because I couldn't respond <laughs> fast enough, but I didn't like the timer down bar. Cause for yeah. me that, that was breaking the, the interface a little bit, or I knew yeah. that I had to get to a certain person at a certain time, which isn't quite the normal momentum of, of the back and forth chat. If only though, Lucy, it evokes back to when I was young and I wished that in the style of the Sims, I could see above someone's heads what they wanted to talk about, or <laughs> if they hated what I was talking about, or if I was running out of time to say, to say hi to the cute girl or whatever before, before she walked off. I wish there was a cool down bar, but there isn't in real life. So I didn't yeah. want it in the game either. That's a really interesting point actually, because Kyle's gone to such a huge extent to painstakingly recreate these small details and affordances of this platform. It's interesting that it has been broken to include that bar because Mm. it completely takes away from the entire setup of trying to immerse you in that exact 
moment but yeah it would be really difficult to do otherwise i guess mm. it was implemented to give player indication of of objective and you know understandable why it's in there but it, it feels also like a something, limitation it does feel like something that was play tested and then everyone got really pissed when one of the girls stormed <laughs> yeah. off and would reload and they're like okay i have to show I mean, just you. like real life <laughs> I wish I could reload. I <laughs> fucked that one up. So, yeah, so I can totally understand. I'd love to talk to the developer about what happened when it came to when it came to testing and sh- mm. and all that sort of stuff, but it's very fun to watch let's plays of this as Lucy mentioned. People really go along on the emotional journey. For some people, it's really personally relatable. There's a lot of angry nerd boys that are so pissed you can't get super happy la la endings to it. Um, the endings for both of them, I think, are pretty bittersweet. I think both games only have maybe three endings that you can get. None mm. of them are sunshine and rainbows. All of them are pretty ambiguous, um, which I, I love. I got the good ending in Emily's Away 2, I think. I, I found yeah. Emily's Away 2 was a lot more happy than Emily's Away 1, ah. but that might just be me. I think, so in Emily's Away 2, we ended up, or I ended up dating Emily into college, and... I think it just ended like we're going to try our best to stay together even though things are weird. I think that's what happened. Um, But I do remember coming away from it feeling a little happier than I did Mm. in Emily's Away 1, which was just like, you know, it was confronting in Emily's Away 1 because not necessarily just romantic relationships, Mm. but just losing a friend and that Mm. kind of like hollow feeling was really relatable because, you know, high school and moving into university is all about those sorts of feelings. And... Mm felt really intense and yeah not as happy as my Emily's Away 2 ending. (laughs) In Emily's Away 1 I felt so hollow and sad at the end of the game because I had compromised and tried to cheat and swindle and do all these things to try and get this girl to like me and I'd and we had sex and I thought it was all going to be good but I still fucked it up and she was still mad at me and I couldn't fix it and that was like fuck uh, so made me so sad I immediately tried to google if you could get like way happier endings and I was like shit you can't and that's when I really loved the game because it made me feel something so hard mm-hmm. um, in Emily's Away 2 I managed to date Emily for a while but then I um, when I had said to Emily what I wanted to do in the future when my friend Evelyn had talked to me about the future I told her something slightly different and then Evelyn spoke to Emily and Emily got really pissed and was like, you, you've lied about what you really want from life and all this kind of stuff. Oh, wow. I know. And again, okay. like totally called me out for like trying to play the field and trying to tell her what she wanted to hear to stay together and just got like colossally dumped. Oh, <laughs> and no. <laughs> I know. And like, obviously I freaking hadn't learned my lesson, right? Like I'm still trying to, still trying to be Mr. Smooth and I, I've, I still wasn't answering what I would want to personally answer. Um, (laughs) I was still trying to be what I thought Emily would have wanted me to be, which was like a really interesting experience and a good thing for me to be called out for because you shouldn't do that in relationships. Yeah, I found a lot of the conversations I had in both games when I was playing them, I kind of overlaid them over my own memories of Mm. things that happened when I was growing up as a teenager. And I think that gave the game so much more weight that because Mm. a lot of this stuff is quite ambiguous, 
that you kind of just start drifting off and relating it to similar situations that happen to you when mm. you're a teen. Mm. And yeah, it's just it's done really well. I, yeah. I think that you've succeeded as a game designer and a game developer. Mm. If people are still thinking about your story and your game, even a day later or a yes. week later, like if they're thinking about like the stories that happened and the decisions that they made, mm. then you've succeeded. And I think Kyle like knocked it out of the park. Yes. I really appreciated that both games took place over a few years mm. and they talk about how relationships kind of linger imperfectly over time. Mm. A lot of games really only have the option to exist in a moment in time really intensely where you're saving the world or everything's going to shit or you're rescuing your partner or whatever it might be. And it tends to be in a fixed period of time. Or if it is over over time, it's not usually slow burn complicated we haven't figured out who we who we are together type of relationships so Mm. the vague feeling of having a crush that you haven't managed to turn into something or a friend that you've been off and on with or a friend that you're worried about but distant and like checking in with them over time over like a three-year period or whatever that's so rarely explored in games and it is done in this and that's really really cool and relatable I think that a lot of my favorite games actually are ones that approach relationships and characters long term rather mm. than a, a short um, compartmentalized period. For example, Last of Us does it really well because the game is split into four seasons. Mm. And even games like Dragon Age 2 is like set over quite a few years. Mm. Um, and it follows the characters over this like huge overarching journey rather than just like, here's a week. And a lot's going to happen yes. this week, but that's your week, okay? <laughs> it's I a think, really fucked week. Yeah, like Lauren says, a lot of games don't ex- uh, explore relationships long term, and that's where a lot of the, the nuances come about. And we've talked about this a little bit, I think, in our first episode, where games usually approach romance like through the chase and the honeymoon period. Mm. But it's after you've, you know, been together a while that, you know, nuances come out and problems happen and conflict emerges, and that's what really engages and I think that Emilia's Way is great um, at doing that and you know the other titles that I mentioned are probably worth checking out if you're interested in that kind of narrative but yeah more games about the the long-term nuances and issues in relationships please that'd be good yes more games just about um, a really awkward kind of a messy relationship whether it's a friendship where you've had arguments or big disagreements or there's a huge rift that you're trying to overcome or you know, you've got back in touch after absolutely forever. Relationships where the people don't want the same thing, you know, and they're trying to figure that out. I mean, all those things are extremely interesting instead of just two hot people who are really hot for each other and <laughs> they're brought together by the apocalypse and, you know, it's all going to be good and it's it's just the seduction and they get together and, like, that's the, that's the apex and it's great. It's like that's been done a, a million times. So, yeah. Yeah. More messy, bittersweet feelings games for me. Yeah, there's a lot of room for exploration here, and Mm. I hope that you listeners are going to make these kinds of games so we can play them, because that would be amazing. Please do. Also, I feel like I need to plug this talk a little bit. So we've been Mm. talking a lot about nostalgia um, with regards to this game. There's actually a really good talk about different types of nostalgia and how that emerges within games, and it's broken down really academically, really thoroughly, and it's a really engaging talk to look at. If you're thinking of making a game that capitalizes on nostalgia, like this new genre of OS-style games is kind of doing right now, there's not a genre term for it, which is Mm. in itself kind of cool, but (laughs) games like Emily is Away, Lost Memories.net, 
any game that uses these kinds of um, PC interfaces or mobile interfaces to set the scene of a certain time period or to kind of tap into the nostalgia of the player from their experiences during that time period, you should check this talk out. So it's by Victoria Smith, and you can find her on Twitter at the Lady Victoria, and she's done a huge barrage of amazing talks, but this one is one of my favourites. It's called Gaming Nostalgia, A Voyage of Fantasies, and she gave it at Play by Play this year, so Play by Play 2018, and we'll link it um, after we post this episode, as well as Emily is Away, and Emily is Away too. So if you're interested in using nostalgia in your games, I would definitely check out this analysis of the different types of nostalgia. It's really good. Excellent. So we talked a little bit about this new genre of OS-style games, and so, Lucy, I do want to invite this as quite a bit of the UI corner. And my question for you is, what makes these kinds of games really effective? They're often delivering narrative experiences, but is there something about engaging with this kind of user interface that immerses players further? I think that, like I mentioned before, because <clears throat> the details are so heavily explored and they're so accurate to that time that it just... Um, assists the designer in creating a really immersive nostalgic experience. So <clears throat> Emily's Away 1 and 2 both have the sort of like green fields and blue sky XP background and all of the affordances of that interface. Like Lauren said, it's got the background whirring of like a really, really <laughs> old <laughs> PC, which we have kind of tuned out now. But once you hear it, you're like, yeah, I remember that. I remember that noise every single day. And just recreating things um, so closely to the AOL interface. Like, uh, he's done a really, really good job, and I think you don't need to reinvent the wheel if you're trying to create a nostalgic experience. Capitalising as much on the affordances that people know um, is going to assist you in doing that, and by not breaking those norms and by sticking as closely to, to AOL instant messages interface as possible, it was really successful. Mm. Something I really appreciated was with the input for this game, when you select a dialogue option, and it'll offer you three things usually, and you click on one, any keyboard input starts typing out that response, mm. if that makes sense. This is hard to describe verbally, but if you look at the trailer or if you watch a Let's Play, you can see how people are using the input. So, you know, it's like... Um, you can say, yes, Emily, no, Emily, maybe Emily, well, for whatever reason, select one of them and then on the keyboard. But that puts in that <laughs> response that, you know, that you selected. You still need to drive to put the input in character by character, but you don't manually type it out word for word yourself. You just have to select one and then drive it home with keystrokes, which I think is really interesting. Because it is like this uh, funny funny ventriloquism or something happening through the player, which I thought was very, very interesting. Um, it's really diegetic to use key presses. I do feel like it's almost a limitation at some point, because I mm. found as the game went on, I didn't like doing that, because it was very <laughs> repetitive. And it felt like even though I was spamming the keys, it didn't really have any meaning, because I wasn't mm. getting to type anything meaningful. Mm. Mm. Um, if anything, I would have liked an option to to turn that off and just use a space key or something mm. to just, mm. you know, automatically go through it. Because I was really invested in the story, but I kind of just didn't want to do the verbal spam. <laughs> totally fair. <laughs> <laughs> the technical term for that, yeah. I think you'll find, is... <laughs> 
It's very interesting. Um, the games that let you have an input rather than games that are select an, an A, B, C, D, etc. kind of thing. Because I recently made myself learn how to build things using Inform 7, which is different to Twine in that instead of people selecting options, people would have to type inputs. So say, um, I look at the ball, I eat, I eat the dog, I whatever. That's a disturbing I phrase. Dog. I don't know why I went for that. <laughs> um, but, you know, you do have to type things to engage with the game because um, I found that to be very interesting to try and anticipate and write for and, like, design for. Mm. But also I think players found it really fun to kind of feel like they were steering it. And Emily is Away kind of does a hedged, compromised version of that, but still still really, really interesting and different as much as it might wear on you, as, as Lucy's highlighted. Yeah, and another limitation, like we've discussed as well, is that AOL was an America-centric platform. Mm. <clears throat> so for New Zealand, um, we used MSN more than AOL, so sometimes it's like the nostalgia is almost unrelatable because we didn't have those conversations on those platforms. Mm. And plus the college system, like I have no idea what the American like education system, like I don't get the difference between college and university or whatever. I actually <laughs> had to pull up a diagram of what it looks like because I have, I just don't understand it. Um, like is college the same as university or do you go to college and then go to university? Or like, I just, I don't, I, like I found that really hard to relate to the game because I was so confused about what was, what stage they were at. Yes. Because our education system works in a completely different way. Freshman, sophomore, what the fuck? Oh my Those god, what the words. hell? What like even a even senior, mean? like I don't, I don't know what that is. Like a senior <laughs> at my high school was fifth form until seventh form, which mm. is years 11 until 13. I have to think about it because it's been such a freaking long time ago because mm. we're so old. So yeah, like I found a little bit of the story like really hard to relate to because I had no idea really what was going on. Like, what period they were at? Like, are they in college? Are they, is college a stepping stone to university? I, I don't know. American listeners, please draw a diagram on a post-it note. Take a photo please and send me. it to us. We don't, we don't understand your school system. I don't get it. And a lot of the made-up words. Um, another limitation um, that, that we've touched on a little bit is that with nostalgia, there will be a certain point where no one's nostalgic for this anymore. It's so niche millennials will have grown up um, and been nostalgic for some of the things that are used in these games. But Generation Z, they would not recognize this, I don't feel. They wouldn't nearly mm. have the emotional draw. It's not necessarily a bad thing that this game has an expiry date in terms of relevance or, you know, it's going to have compromised impact for players later than us. Um, it's, it's transience makes it interesting, but it's definitely a limitation. If anything, it might be considered a historical artifact, um, an art piece that kind of crystallizes that point in time for future generations and they can see kind of how we grew up, which is kind of cool. I definitely think there's a big space for games to be used as historical markers and I think that the intense way that Emily's Away uses nostalgia, I think it would be very important um, archive-wise. Mm. Yeah, I completely agree. I would really like my kids to play this and be like, what the fuck? You don't just, like, stream your brain thoughts to each other. You actually did this stupid backwards system. Your like... computer's so loud. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, Lucy, I think that's all we have time for. We really unanimously have enjoyed Emily is Away and Emily is Away too. We definitely recommend that the listeners check it out and let us know what they think about this very interesting, very focused exploration of social dynamics, interactions, relationships, and growing up in the 2000s. Yeah, and do remember that you can get them both on itch.io, which we highly recommend. And there's also Steam, but you should definitely get it on Itch because Itch is just the best. Um, And don't forget about our book giveaway. If you want to win this amazing, slightly biased tome of Love Games content, then pick your favourite Love Games episode, share it on Twitter with our hashtag LoveGamesCast, and we will announce the winner in the next episode. So this is like a book that's like 110 New Zealand dollars. So it's a good prize and you will like it, I think. So yeah, definitely enter the contest and who knows, it could be you that wins. Beautiful. Lots of love, everyone. Take care and chat to you soon. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye, beans.